1869, the Cornell University Press Podcast. Today, Jim Lance, an editor here at Cornell, joins us to chat about what he's finding interesting and exciting in the world of scholarly book acquiring. Because we like Jim and want you all to as well, we're offering a special discount of 30% off any book on our website. Visit cornellpress.cornell.edu and enter 09POD in the shopping cart. Jim is a senior acquisitions editor. He acquires new books primarily in anthropology, geography, global urban studies, and religious studies. He's also a huge fan of the Beatles and the San Antonio Spurs. You can find him on Twitter at JimLance554. Welcome, Jim. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Martin. I'm really pleased to be talking with you on your podcast. <laughs> so I think, you know, what we'll chat about today, seeing as we're both uh, well, at Cornell University Press, obviously, and uh, we're both insiders in the UP world, is, you know, what's exciting to you um, in this strange, funny, scholarly book business that we inhabit? Well, I think the thing that excites me the most about working in university presses in general, but in Cornell in particular, is that every day... I'm exposed to a wealth of ideas and wonderful people and great colleagues, and I'm not trying to be a shill. <laughs> it's genuine. Um, it is probably the most exciting job I've ever had. Um, I came from a rel- relatively hermetic academic background with an interest in African studies, and being part of the university press world, I'm exposed to a veritable universe of new ideas and people. Uh, that's really energizing. So you want, do you want to tell people a little bit, um, you, you know, you're an acquiring editor, but what are your, what's your focus? My focus for Cornell as the acquiring editor is um, mostly works in anthropology, geography, social science, and global religion. Um, of late, and of late I mean in the past six to eight weeks, I've also taken on um, global urban studies. Um, so that's basically my editorial remit. Uh, it's pretty broad. It's pretty general. Um, some areas within this general remit I'm trying to focus on are concentrating a bit and expanding on, on South Asian studies, um, working in Central Asian and Eurasian studies in tandem with my colleague Roger Hayden. Um, in terms of geography, I'm working with a wonderful group of uh, academic editors, Nancy Cluso, Wendy Walford, and Michael Goldman on a new series called Perspectives in Land and Development. Um, that's basically it in terms of sort of the generic. Yeah, yeah. So what, what have, I mean, that's, like you said, it's pretty broad and, and, and you know, covers a, gr- a grand scope in some ways. Is there anything within any of those specific fields or within... I don't know, you know, you know, the actual acquiring... No, let's stay within specific fields. Is there anything that is really interesting and exciting and surprising uh, that you're kind of hearing about at the moment? I, 
in terms of anthropology, I'm very, very excited by what I see as a return to um, sort of a classic ethnographic approach. And by that, I mean, when I was doing my graduate work 20, 20 years ago now, it was more questioning the whole purport and meaning of anthropology. Uh, anthropological knowledge was linked to a whole host of questionable practices, for example, as linkages to colonialism, and it was felt that anthropology basically um, had to really do some soul-searching in terms of what people were researching or what people were writing. Um, I thought this was a salubrious enterprise, but at times I think it got into too much navel-gazing and people sort of got distracted from the fact that uh, anthropology takes you to many different places, many wonderful places, and you can't help but assert yourself and sort of your own perspective upon the people with whom you're living. And so for me, basically within the past five to ten years, there's been a really new birth of confidence and trust in one in the anthropologist's perception, perspective. Um, the writing has become much more me evocative of what it means to be in a place and bringing the reader to that place. And to me, that's really exciting, and that's something I really, really like to stress, um, sort of these connections and interactions with the anthropologists have with the societies and people they study. So that is one of the areas I'm really um, focusing on in terms of my acquisitions as, as anthropology editors for Cornell. Hmm. Yeah, so it, you, know, you, you kicked off this little interview or chat with saying how ex exciting this job is to be exposed to different ideas and, and, and new ideas all the time. And it sort of sounds that you're, you're seeing that not just from within the press, working with colleagues, but more so from this uh, uh, return to the ethnographic approach that you're mentioning within, within anthropology in particular. So uh, is it th those kind of ideas that are exciting and stimulating, or are there other... You know, that's obviously a very academic aspect of it, but uh, I mean, is, is that where the real excitement lies for you, or does it, you know, can you find it elsewhere as well? Um, well, what I'm trying to do and what I'm seeing is, yes, there's this academic focus of return to sort of like studying the local, but there's, what really excites me is that many anthropologists now are, are showing how the local reflects and gives us insights into the general and the global. And that is what I find very exciting. I mean, I, the books I get at for Cornell often focus on specific locales, but the questions that the anthropologists are asking um, and that they bring to the people in the society they're studying and the answers that people give are show a tremendous awareness of how everything is connected and how really um, what seems to be arcane and particular is not. And I think that, to me, is really the most exciting thing. How do people deal with global problems locally? What are some of the insights I can get as a reader from uh, these ethnographies and studies? And uh, how does that change my whole view of how I interact with the world, both in, both in my local community as well as how my actions might might reflect a global perspective. So that really, really, really excites me. So do you, would you say that um, 
Well, how, what kind of role then would you say anthropologists, geographers, uh, you know, other academics within your area have to play in that kind of larger, wider, global world that is perhaps, well, both within and without the, the, uh, the scholarly universe? I mean, what kind of role do they play? Or could they? Let me just give you, yeah, that's a good question. Let me just give you a specific example of a couple of books. One we're, we're, uh, we're going to be publishing, a book on the politics of the headscarf in the United States, Muslim American women, um, and their attitudes towards the headscarf and what that means. Um, what, and this is where it gets back to what excites me. Um, and in particular, why I think Cornell is, is a very uh, um, suitable press for these kinds of endeavors. Um, you ask the authors I get ask questions about basic things, but they write in a way that makes us see a broader perspective. So, and that ties into what I see as Cornell's mission, which is really to to be sort of an activist press. Uh, I don't know whether uh, that's sort of an obvious part of his mission statement, but I've always felt, following Cornell, that the books that Cornell publishes um, are academic in nature, but there's always something about them, like how can, what is the role of a, of a university press in making work the world a little better? Mm -hmm. So, so that, that, that is kind of where I'm at in terms of uh, what, seeing what anthropologists are doing of late. And I think, again, when I was doing my grad, graduate work 20 years ago, there was sort of a reluctance to be um, as politically engaged and active as uh, this new generation of anthropologists is. And I think that's reflective. And I think they come to Cornell knowing that they would find a congenial place mm -hmm. for not only their, their academic and intellectual endeavors, but their books will reach an audience of people concerned about, well, how can we ameliorate a certain situation? What does it mean to be a Muslim woman in America in the headscarf in this current political moment? And you get a sense of like, oh, I never really thought about that. And that really is where, that, that to me is where I'm, again, <laughs> excitement is the operative word. It's, it's been very satisfying and very stimulating to work with authors who are thinking along these lines. So you would argue then, or, or maybe you wouldn't, uh that uh, that scholars should be getting involved in contemporary uh, debates that concern sort of the wider society? I would. And to date, the authors I've attracted share that view. Now, I know that there may, there's a cohort that thinks it shouldn't, it must, shouldn't be this actively involved. And I welcome, you know, scholars and books that, might not reflect sort of this imperative agenda that I see uh, reflected in some of the other authors I'm getting. But yeah, I think for me, uh, scholarship that is that has no real social purpose is sort of um, a show-offy endeavor, if I can <laughs> say it that way. <laughs> but it seems as though you know, you sort of termed us as an activist press, or maybe that we should be, you know, we are, I think, like you say. And then so having an activist press publishing uh, more active, uh, activist-type scholars, 
seems like a really uh, a really good home, and it sounds as though uh, you've you've found it here as well. Yes, Martin. Is, um, I have to say, um, my previous job, I was director of a small independent press called Kumarian Press, which whose books dealt with NGOs, non-government organizations, economic and political development, globalization, and. I noticed more and more that a lot of the authors I was wooing for Kumarian said, well, you're really nice, Kumarian, but Cornell is doing basically the same kind of publication program that you are. They're equally engaged, and they have, they have a wider audience. Mm -hmm. So going from Kumarian to Cornell seems to me a natural, and I was completely overjoyed when I got to offered the position, a natural transition for me, uh, working with people like Roger Hayden, Fran Benson, Michael McGandy, Kurt Kropp, Emily Andrews, and Kitty Liu, as well as Mahinder, and, and also your marketing acumen. It's been like, um, personally, and as I said, a natural transition, but I kind of sense that um, the books my colleagues bring and we talk about are also sort of um, motivated and pushed by uh, an agenda that sees scholarship as having to be socially uh, useful and provocative. Well, I think that is uh, also an exciting thing to be part of. And uh, Jim, I really appreciate you kind of sharing some of your insights and thoughts. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Martin. It's a pleasure. That was Jim Lance, Senior Acquisitions Editor for Cornell University Press. And just because we're still feeling generous, remember to use code 09POD when you order from our website. And the website is cornellpress.cornell.edu. You've been listening to 1869, the Cornell University Press podcast.